Well, and hello, 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 and welcome to Waterfire Ignites Rhode Island here on AM790, your station for talk and business. I'm Bronwyn Dannenfeltzer, and we are here with you every Wednesday between 4 and 5 o'clock. And boy, are we getting ready for one incredible weekend. Uh, if you've been listening to the show over the last month, you've been hearing it week after week, and we've been bringing veterans on because this weekend, September, not September, November 7th, uh, is the Salute to Veterans, our third annual Salute to Veterans. It is probably one of uh, the fires that is nearest and dearest to my heart. And uh, we've really been working hard for the past year, actually, with a committee of people to put together, again, one of our largest celebrations and what has become one of the largest celebrations in the southern New England area of our veterans. Um, this year we're doing something special, uh, even more special. We're going to be shining a spotlight on our Vietnam veterans but we've had a real lot of support. Um, we've got a lot going on for this fire. I'm going to be giving you a little bit of a hint of everything that you can see because, one, everybody knows it's daylight saving. We missed daylight savings time just passed. So now we are sitting here, and it gets dark a little bit earlier. So the fires, of course, start a little bit earlier, as do the celebrations, um, including an amazing celebration up at the State House. It starts at the State House at 345 in the afternoon on the State House steps. And then we move right into this amazing torch ceremony that is uh, led by the Army 88th Band, the Northeast Navy Band, the Fife and Drum um, crew, and then veterans from all conflicts. We've got World War II veterans marching this year, Korean War veterans, um, veterans that are just coming back from Iraq and Afghanistan, our Vietnam veterans, and uh, really veterans from every conflict. And it's probably one of the most moving um, torch processions and events because as they enter the basin area, which if you don't know what the basin is, that's that circle of fires that we find uh, right down across from the mall. As we uh, enter, as they enter the basin area, there's going to be the Northeast Navy Band playing um, with the Army 80th Band, and we're going to be saluting the flag and uh, doing all the service songs and having just this amazing 300-torch kickoff to what is one of the best events of the year. So I'm so excited. Uh, I'm not sure if everybody remembers uh, that the people who help us bring this show to you and this incredible group is called National Grid. And National Grid, um, just for the many things that they do in the community, one, they support Water Fire. They're our season sponsor. They answered that big question that we kept on getting from people, which is, my cell phone's died. I, I can't get in touch with somebody, and I need to figure out how to call them. And let's face it, we don't have... Uh, we don't have telephone booths around in many places anymore, and people come down to Waterfire to take pictures and do wonderful things. And National Grid started last year this incredible sponsorship where at every Waterfire, we have got National Grid charging stations. So when you want to come down, take these awesome pictures of what's happening, reach out to your loved ones and say, hey, get down here to Waterfire because there's a lot of fun going on. National Grid has allowed us to do that. Um, they've also, again, sponsored this radio show, which lets us let you know everything that's coming up with water fire but not only with water fire just in general in Rhode Island so without further ado it is my distinct pleasure to uh, introduce David Graves uh, who is a media relations uh, person from National Grid Dave how are you this uh, wonderful Wednesday afternoon it is a beautiful day Bronwyn thank you for the invitation and check this weather out could we have asked for better weather weather just today or for the week or for the salute to veterans fire 
Well, appreciate it. It's not going to last, I can tell you. I know the, the winter storms are on their way, unfortunately. Well that's, right. well, that's right. You're dealing with National Grid because you guys are keeping us safe and warm and keeping everything going when we have those storms hit. So, yeah, you, you, I'm going to keep you on my dial phone so that I know exactly what's going on and when those storms are hitting. I should have kept my mouth shut. I know. <laughs> Never. But, well, one, thank you. As I was just uh, telling our audience, National Grid has been an incredible supporter of Water Fire in so many different ways. And in our uh, just a supporter of our community, I, I see you out a lot um, and doing a lot of important things in the community. And one, I know that you are a veteran. I am. I am. Uh, 1970 to 72, uh, I was inducted into the army back in the days when the draft was still in effect. Shortly mm-hmm. after graduating from college, and uh, I would tell you, it's a life-changing event. Mm-hmm. Um, I did not, unlike a lot of uh, people who served at the same time, did not uh, go to Vietnam. I spent 14 months in Germany. But being a part of the military, being a part of an organization of that size, and going from a from a college campus into the military in wartime was a, a was a, a life changing experience for me, an eye opening experience. And I think uh, perhaps more than anything else in my life, that really. Uh, tuned me into what was going on in the world and what was going on outside of my little hometown in Massachusetts and my little college that I attended in Worcester. So it was an eye-opening experience, and it was a, a world-opening experience for me. It must have been. And so when you left the military in 72, you came back. And what did you do when you came back? Well, what were you specializing in when you were in Germany? Well, I was in communications, actually, which uh, I was a radio operator, radio teletype operator, uh, which was a little bit of everything. We were a mobile unit. We moved Moved around a great deal, uh, supplied backup communications to uh, command components uh, within Germany, all across the country. So we were uh, detached, as they say, for most of the time. We were rather independent, kind of spoiled, did pretty much what we wanted to do, and got to see a, a good part of Germany at, at the time. When I came home, uh, I think like a lot of folks, I was just looking to, to find out, figure out what I was going to do. I actually spent a couple of years in banking, yeah, uh, and then really did what I wanted to do and got into broadcasting. And I spent uh, about 12 years in radio news, particularly in New Hampshire, and finally down here in Rhode Island. Moved to Rhode Island about 35 years ago. Yeah. Moved from uh, from radio and into television. I was a TV assignment editor for about five years. Then uh, had my own consulting company, media relations consulting company. Then went into uh, advertising and public relations and had the good fortune uh, about 12 years ago to uh, to join National Grid in the media relations department. Yeah, so that, that training that you got in between 70 and 72 in Germany certainly started you down a path. I learned how to talk is what I did on the radio. <laughs> Would you like to teach me? <laughs> <laughs> You're doing just fine. Well, again, National Grid, um, I also know that the president, Tim Horan, he uh, served 24 years, I think, and retired as a colonel. Tim uh, spent uh, five years active duty. Actually, this was in separate uh, time periods, but Tim and I were stationed about two miles away from each other in Germany, two little villages on the Rhine, in the Rhineland that you wouldn't even imagine. Uh, and uh, We discovered that a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, as I said, different time periods. He's a little younger than I am, but he did five years of active duty and then uh, over 20 years uh, in the Army Reserves and, uh, and retired as a full colonel. I mean, so it, I, there, there's definitely, as we see, the 
the the military backing at the at the head of national grid. So I feel safe knowing that there's a lot of military training that's like you know leading our national grid teams. And, and uh, just I've discovered uh, our director of uh, of uh, corporate media relations is a retired Navy commander, one of the people in our uh, uh, environmental and and uh, safety area is retired uh, Coast Guard. There are a number of of military, of veterans that are working in National Grid, and it's also part of our outreach program to find more veterans to uh, to bring into the company, but also to help uh, bring into the uh, into the energy industry. We have an organization called the, the Veterans uh, uh, Veterans Employee Resource Group, VERG, as we call it, that's designed to uh, to make it easier for our our uh, Reserve and National Guard employees to uh, fulfill their service commitment. It includes educating our own supervisors, the people who might work uh, un- under these these folks or might work uh, these folks would work for them, so that they could better understand what their commitment is to the military, so mm-hmm. that they can get their job done, so that everything from just scheduling their their work hours and everything can fit into their to their military commitment and make that happen. But we also do outreach. We've we've done uh, job fairs with veterans. Yeah. And uh, also uh, recruitment uh, to to help bring uh, veterans into into the industry. Uh, it's a national program in the energy industry to uh, to transition veterans into jobs that uh, that are applicable for the services that they they did in the in the military that they can apply easily in the energy industry. Well, yeah, I and mean, like I was saying to you, it sounds like the training that one receives in the military is rather important, especially in the field of national grid and, and in the energy field. But the fact, just alone, that you have, um, have this program where you're working with people in the National Guard, because that's one of the hardest things. I've talked to a lot of veterans, and having people understand either when they get deployed suddenly, and I know over the last 10 years that that has really kicked up a lot, and having employers that understand that or understand that they've got to do weekend training and that that really and, and how that fits into not only their work life but their family life so and when you can try to figure out how to help someone balance that that's really important so thank you for doing that within your company that's a great program well we we enjoy doing it believe me as well as a commitment to um things like water fire and its importance to the community its importance to providence it really uh is, is part of the fiber of the, of the city and of the state. When people come into Rhode Island, uh, multiple friends that we have from uh, throughout the uh, the Northeast who, who come here and are just awed by by the sight of water fire and the experience of, of water fire, everything from the music to the ambiance to the to the to the people it's one of the it's one of the most crowded and quiet places that you could possibly imagine people just watching the fires uh just experiencing the evening and listening to the music it's fantastic and it's people from all walks of life which yes. is what you know i've been with water fire for 11 seasons now so i'll be finishing up my 11th season 10th year at water fire and i've always said that it's amazed me because Young, old, all ethnic backgrounds, all socioeconomic backgrounds, all coming together in one place. And a small, let's say, it's not a really big plot of land that we're taking over when you think of about 75,000 people or 100,000 people being down at this one event in this one place. And you would think that there might be some conflict, but there's not. And I always, I was saying, it's to me, I've always said it's probably one of the best social experiments that one could see, that if you create the right environment, right action follows. It's a peaceful experience. Yeah. And you, when you walk away at the end of the evening, you feel you feel at peace with yourself. 
Well, and it's because of you and National Grid's support that you've allowed us to do that. And again, we are always so grateful for all of the sponsors that help us do that. And I know that coming up, and when we do our salute to veterans in this torch procession I was just talking about, we are going to have about 15 employees coming from National Grid that are veterans that will be participating, right? That's correct. They're going to be the uh, the torch bearers uh, participating in the in the procession. Uh, actually, we probably had. Uh, more volunteers than you had slots to fit to fill. Uh, so people are really very interested in doing this. And again, it's a, it's it's a sign that uh, the number of veterans working within the company, and uh, and again their commitment to uh, to the community, but also to any effort that we can do, any outreach that we can make to assist veterans. Uh, uh, in any way we possibly can. Well, you know, with, when you're talking about hiring veterans, do you ever work with um, ESGR or the Veterans Association? Because I know that they try to help place people in companies as well. Uh, yes. Uh, uh, we've worked with uh, Mike Ritz. There have been programs yep. that we've done, rec- again, job fairs that they've sponsored. I think with, uh, if I'm not mistaken, New England Tech, we've mm-hmm. participated in those. Uh, we've also done outreach with uh, local colleges, with uh, the University of Rhode Island in the Providence branch, also with Brown University. Uh, so it's 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 a constant, ongoing search on our part to find talented people. Yeah. And we find that the military, again, there is a number of job occupations, MOSs as they used to call it. That's probably changed since I was in the Army. But a number of occupations that are, are great fits to work uh, in the uh in, in National Grid. I, I went to a communication school at Fort Dix, New Jersey, where they trained linemen to work in the Army. It's exactly if you go to our our school up in Millbury, Massachusetts, where line, line crews are, are trained. It looks exactly what I saw down at Fort Dix, New Jersey, about 40 years ago. Yep. So it's uh, they're, they're, you can exchange those those skills. You can bring them into the workplace very easily, and that's those are the people that we try to find. Well, um, we also so uh, happening on Saturday as well, which uh, I'm so proud to say this, and thank you so much to the sponsors that have brought it together, which is Walmart and the Providence uh, Medical. Um, Providence Veterans Medical Association um, and a lot of other people, which I'll mention at the end of the show. We have a resource fair. ESGR will be there, so I'm sure that they'll be directing some veterans probably your way after that. Um, but that whole resource fair is about employment and you know and, and working with families and, and all different areas um, and ways to support veterans and what they're doing and what National Grid's doing and how you're actually participating in the event and with your volunteers. Hey, we always need volunteers. So even when it's not just a salute to veterans, I'm gonna I'm gonna call you up, Dave, and I'm gonna be like. Send them our way because, again, it's a wonderful way to be part of the community, and you are so such a big part of our community. Well, we we have about 900 employees in Rhode Island. Nearly all of them 900 live, really live, live in Rhode Island. We have over 14,000 employees in the U.S. in Rhode Island, Massachusetts, and New York. Um, and that community involvement is something that that we feel very strongly about. We live here and we work here, and we think we provide a vital service to the community, one that keeps keeps the the the, uh, the community going, keeps people alive. It, it's an essential part of their lives, delivering natural gas and electricity, and it's something that we feel is very very important to the community, and we want to remain and be part an integral part of the community. Yeah, and I see you doing a lot of proactive things um, because. 
I get my gas and my energy from National Grid at my home. And I love what you've been doing where you're sending people out or people can have someone come to their home, help them to learn to be more um, efficient in how they use their energy and to bring their bills down. So providing a lot of services that I'm not really sure people are necessarily aware of. Um, we try to make them aware of them. We did it at the water fire in June that you sponsored. But I think that if people were to go to the National Grid website, they'd be able to find not only these resources, I'd, I'd imagine, right? Well, you can find everything from home energy audits, which are free. Yep. Uh, I had a home energy audit done last year at, at, at my home. Uh, after 10 years with the company, I think I would have done it earlier. But uh, what you can find out about, I had full insulation. I discovered I had no insulation in the walls of my house, so I was wasting energy. I was wasting mm-hmm. uh, heating oil in my case. Um, but also with supply with smart power strips that turn themselves off and turn off your appliances when they're not being used. Okay. They're smarter than I am, obviously. <laughs> and there are the whole host of things, energy-efficient bulbs, uh, energy-efficient uh, light fixtures, all sorts of things, ideas that people sometimes don't think about yeah. that, that they can save. And as we, as we say, the, the cheapest uh, volt is is the one you don't use. So if... if if you can be efficient, just think about how you might be able to cut back uh, on your on your energy usage. You're going to cut back on your bill as well. I think I need an audit at my house. I'm going to tell my husband that we need to sign up for that, and we need an audit. That's it, because I get the little report that tells me my neighbors yes. and me, and I'm always embarrassed when I look at it. I'm like, well, that just can't be. I can't be that worse than my neighbors, you know, because I'm always a little bit more. So I'm up for an audit report. But I want to thank you again. We are so looking forward to this weekend salute to veterans. We are, too. Thank you for your service. Thank you for the service of the men and women at National Grid and everything that you do. I look forward to catching up with them uh, at the Torch Recession and up at the State House. And, yeah, uh, just, again, thank you for everything that you do, Dave. And it's been wonderful speaking to you today. Hope you're enjoying this beautiful weather, and I hope to see you this weekend, maybe. Maybe. Yeah? Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. You're listening to Waterfire Ignites Rhode Island here on AM790, your station for talk and business. We were just talking to National Grid and David Graves, and we're getting all geared up and excited because this weekend is the last full lighting of Waterfire, and it's one of the biggest. It's our Waterfire Salute to Veterans. And when we come back, we'll be speaking to another incredible gentleman, a Korean War veteran, Air Force, Mr. Bob Dalton. Can't wait to tell you, not only hear about his story, but tell you what he's doing right now with an incredible group of people. We'll be back in a moment. Well, and hello, 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 and welcome back. I hope that you are enjoying your Wednesday and that you're not stuck in traffic, or if you are, glad you're stuck in traffic and listening to us and getting ready for this weekend's Waterfire Salute to Veterans. We were just talking to National Grid, who is one of Waterfire's season sponsors. Um, but this weekend is our last full lighting of the season. There is so much going on from torch processions to resource fairs. Memorial Park will be lit up like it's never been lit up before. We have an incredible canoe ceremony happening. So I advise everybody to go to the Waterfire website um, and see the lineup of events because, as I've said uh, earlier in the show, uh, we're, we're past the whole daylight savings time, so it's getting dark early. So our fires start early, and especially this one because we have some wonderful ceremonies happening up at the State House um, that we hope the public will come and uh, listen to some people talk. We're shy.
shining a little spotlight on our Vietnam veterans. I will be speaking to a Vietnam veteran later on in the program. But there's a lot of things happening all over the installation. And as I said, there's the resource fair. Um, but I had a really special, special group of people and a gentleman that I, I, I don't want to waste too much time before I introduce him, um, because he and a group of men, uh, they're Air Force veterans, um, are working to put a memorial uh, that needs to be erected at the Rhode Island Veterans Cemetery. And they're going to be on site. One, being able to share their experience with the public and also tell them a little bit about what's important about putting this memorial uh, in the Rhode Island Veterans Cemetery. And so without further ado, I'm going to introduce my friend Bob Dalton. Hello, Bob. Hello, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you doing today? Well, I'm enjoying all the good weather. I know, and you know, it's funny. I think it's going to be beautiful like this on Saturday, and you'll be on site on Saturday, I know. We certainly will, and uh, uh, every day I get up, I check the weather uh, yep. just to make sure. It's going to be nice. It looks like it's going to be. A, it's going to drop a little bit in the evening and like to get a little bit in the 40s, but... Who cares? It's sunny. We can handle it. We can. Sure. I'm sure you can handle anything because I, <laughs> would you tell, I, I, you know, you sent over your bio and it's really impressive. But for our listeners, could you give us a little bit of a background on you? Yes, I uh, joined the Air Force, uh, enlisted in uh, 1953, February, and I was uh, sent to basic training at Sampson Air Force Base in Upper State, New York, actually on the shores of Lake Seneca, which is the Finger Lakes District. Uh, I did my basic training there for uh, eight to ten weeks. Then I was sent down to tech school at Shepard Air Force Base in, uh, in Texas, uh, Wichita Falls. And after an intensive uh, mechanical training, engine mechanical training, uh, I was then sent to my permanent base at... Uh, uh, in Washington at uh, Spokane, uh, Fairchild Air Force Base. And I, <clears throat> I was a, uh, a mechanic, engine mechanic. When I first went into the service, I had no idea what to, what to do, uh, uh, a wrench from a screwdriver. Mm-hmm. But uh, I became a, uh, a crew chief on a B-36 super bomber. That was the... Uh, uh, the bomber that uh, was replaced by the B-52. Mm-hmm. It was a uh, six reciprocating engines, push-type engines, and four jet engines, two on each pod for each wing. And uh, we uh, had a, uh, I can't tell you exactly what the bomb load was that we carried, but we uh, were then sent, I did two tours uh, in Guam, and we were sent over, uh, as a peacekeeping force after the treaty uh, from the Korean War was signed. Uh, we had a, uh, probably, I think my first tour was about six months. My second tour was probably three or four months. Oh, what made you enlist in the first place? Well, you know, I wanted to do uh, my duty. Uh, we didn't... Uh, have a, uh, uh, a, a, we, we had a, uh, uh, there were no drafts at that time. But again, I wanted to do my duty. And also, uh, I figured that uh, by doing that, then uh, I could uh, be eligible for the GI Bill and go to college. Oh, all right. Yeah. 
So I did my four years. I didn't re-enlist, mm-hmm. but I did my four years, and I, uh, I uh, was uh, uh, out of the service in uh, February of 57. And now we were just, I was just talking to David Graves from National Grid, and he was talking about that his training and, and the years that he served um, in the Army were very formative and almost extremely eye-opening and kind of almost like a, a passage period. Do you, do you feel that same way as well? Yeah, I do. I, I think the training helped an awful lot for, uh, for discipline. And uh, But when I... Uh, got out of the service, uh, my training did not equate to what I did in uh, in uh, my job. All right. Uh, I became a sales rep, and uh, I uh, spent, uh, let's see, two years, well, from 57 to 62, 62 I was transferred down to Rhode Island. And uh, I've been here ever since. It's a great little state we've got, isn't it? Yeah, it sure is. Uh-huh. We raised a family, uh, my daughter and my uh, son, and uh, we now have four grandchildren. Mm-hmm. And uh, very proud of uh, every one of them. And we've had a good time here in Rhode Island. Yeah, it's it's been great. And now, so... You're going to be on site, um, as we said, on Saturday. So you'll be down towards Memorial Park in the College Street Bridge area, right, with a 10 by 10 tent handing out yes. information. Tell me about this group that you're part of, when it was started, and what it is that you're doing exactly. I, I gave a teaser in the beginning, but well, starts with, it started with three men, you told me, three men sitting down? That were well, no, basically it was three men on the Monument Committee, but I'll back up a little and give you a, a, a quick history. Uh, in uh, 2010, uh, this Sampson Air Force Base Association, Veterans Association, was formed by a group of uh, men. I think originally there were nine men that formed this group. We would, uh, they would meet once a month uh, at uh, a particular restaurant for lunch, and just to tell war stories and uh, chit-chat and so forth. And then uh, one of our uh, men uh, visited the cemetery in Exeter at one time, and actually the two guys went down there, and uh, they wanted to lay some wreaths on an Air Force monument. Found out that there was no Air Force monument at the cemetery we are the only branch of service that does not have a, a monument. And why is that? Is, is that? We have no idea why, but uh, when we had that information with us, we decided to form a committee of three, which we did, and we've been working on the program ever since. Well, we need, because we've only got a few minutes to talk here, Bob, so I want to make sure that we get the information out. So this... You're looking to fundraise. You, we need, an, of course, you can't be the only missing, you know, branch of the service down in the, that, that that doesn't have a memorial. That's right. So, I mean, I know that you've been going right along and you're doing fundraising for it. What's the target goal? Is it forty thousand? Well, we're looking at anywhere between forty and fifty thousand. We really haven't got a final figure from the contractor because uh, we have to get in touch with an architect and have some work done. Uh, but uh, we will we will be looking in that area now at the water fire. We will be there to pass out information, literature, and also talk to visitors to our tent. 
mm-hmm. about our program and about our association. Well, I think what you're doing, I think what you're doing is um, really important. And of course, you know, it sounds like it's, so the group of veterans that um, you have that get together and your committee that gets together. Does this now span past just the? I think when you said it started, and I might have misunderstood, but it sounded to me like it's Korean War veterans that were part of that. Basically, they're group? all they're all Samson Air Force Base okay. uh, uh, trainees. All right. Uh, we do have a, a few we've, from Lackland Air Force Base, which used to be the training uh, center for Air Force. In fact, I think it still is. Now, the reason that Sampson Air Force Base, which really st- started out as a Navy training base, and then in 1950, at the start of the Korean War, uh, the Air Force needed more recruits. So they took over Sampson Air Force Base, the Navy moved out, and uh, we trained about 330,000 Air Force uh, uh, recruits. And uh, then the base was open in 50, and it was closed in 1956. And now, just as a little fact, uh, it is now a museum. They have kept some of the barracks here. They have a building with a, a lot of artifacts, nice. and it's a great place to visit. Well, I think, you know, one of, one of the things that I'm trying to get to here is that, that there's probably a lot of Air Force veterans from, that are around that would love to see this, um, monument go into the Veterans Cemetery. And it doesn't matter probably which conflict that they were in. And there's ways that they can get in touch and be part of this because I'm sure it probably touches a lot of people. And I know that you have a website which I'm going to be putting up on the Waterfire website and on our Facebook page as well so that people know how to get in touch with you so that they can be part of this if they want to help to fundraise for you or if they want to donate um, and be part of the group that you've established and learn more about you. And I'll say, I know it's www.ri.ri. A, no, it's, I'm going to let you say it. R-I, S-A-M-P-O-N, Sampson Veterans, no, I'm sorry, let me do that again, Rhode Island, R-I, Sampson Vets. Dot org. Yes, because right. you're a 501c3. And come on, everybody, it's really important. If you're part of the Air Force, um, if you were part of the Air Force, if you're currently serving, reach out to these guys and uh, help them accomplish their mission. Again, they're going to have more information on the Waterfire website. Stop down and see Bob and his team at Waterfire on Saturday. I'm so glad that you're going to be there. And um, thank you for your service. Thank you very much. If I could just for a second put in a plug, we meet uh, once a month, every fourth Tuesday at Twin Oaks for lunch. And we would love to see some new members come to our luncheon. Awesome. You know what? We're going to put that in, too, on the Facebook page. Go to Twin Oaks, and I'm going to show up one of those days, too. But I'm not Air Force. I'll just show up anyway. I always love Twin Oaks. We certainly would welcome to see you. Right? Well, I look forward to seeing you on Saturday. Everybody, make sure to stop down and see Bob and find out about this really important thing that he's doing uh, with his committee. And I will be back in a moment, and we're going to talk very quickly when we come back. We won't have a lot of time, but we're going to talk to the Reverend Dr. Richard Dannenfeltz, our Vietnam veteran. You are listening to Waterfire Ignites Rhode Island here on AM790, your station for talking business. Well, and hello, 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 and welcome back, and what a beautiful Wednesday afternoon. Uh, we have been talking all this month, actually, but even all this show, about this weekend's 
Water Fire Salute to Veterans, the third annual Water Fire Salute to Veterans, one of our largest fires. Um, it is one of the largest celebrations of our veterans here in southern New England. And you know, I just want to give a very big shout-out to all of the people that have made this possible, um, especially our Gold Star sponsor, Walmart, and the Walmart Foundation, and the Rhode Island Broadcasters Association, also with the help of Bank of America, Dominion Power and Energy, Chase Canopy, and many other groups like CV. Yes, Health, Chisholm, Chisholm, and Kilpatrick, the Takeo uh, White Family Foundation, and we've also been working very closely with the Providence um, Veterans Medical Center, and we've got a lot going on, and this year we are shining a spotlight on Vietnam veterans, um, and I'm so proud uh, to have my husband here, actually, who is a Vietnam veteran. He's co-hosted the show with me before, and his name's Reverend Dr. Richard Dannenfelser, and so without further ado, I want to jump into Vietnam uh, and how you feel being recognized this year specifically, so hello, Richard. Hello, Bronwyn. Nice to see you again. Nice to see you, too. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so glad that you've come on because, and as you know, this fire, Richard, has been very important to me because my dad's a Vietnam veteran. You're a Vietnam veteran. Um, My uncle was a Vietnam veteran. I I come from a long line of uh, Vietnam vets, and I, I just, this fire very specifically this year where we're shining a spotlight on Vietnam vets is very important because I don't believe that there was a proper welcome home and celebration, and that's really what this is, is celebrating and resources. And a lot of people from the Vietnam um, veteran era have a lot of resources that are available to them that they're sometimes not aware of. Mm -hmm. But can you give everybody a little bit of a history um, on your military background? Oh, wow. Um, Well, I was uh, born and raised in the Bronx, and... um, I joined uh, the Army after I dropped out um, of the university because the president didn't like the way I was running the school. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the reasons I joined at that time was uh, I was a great uh, – uh, I had a great deal of respect for President uh, John F. Kennedy. And Kennedy, uh, right – Right at the end of, or right in the middle of the Cold War in some sense, uh, he said, you know, it's not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. So I joined, um, wound up uh, at Fort Dix in basic, uh, then to Germany for a stint as a orientation officer liaison. Uh, then they sent me to Defense Language School in Monterey, California, and then to uh, Jump School at Fort Benning, um, in, um, uh, at Fort Benning in, in Georgia, where I uh, was an um, airborne ranger, and then uh, 13 months uh, to Vietnam. And I was stationed in the Mekong Delta, uh, which um, at a uh, Cantau at a fire base there, and I was head of something, a team called ALERP just a long-range reconnaissance team, and we would be in country, so to speak, for for uh, three or four days at a time. So a long-range reconnaissance team, did you say you were going out trying to find other men? Or when I think of well, one of, I one of, the, one one of the reasons was to, um, right, to, to find uh, um, men and also to gather information, but we basically, truth be told, were an assassination team. So, uh, all right, how... How did you feel about that? And then, and, and how did that, I mean, uh, both of the gentlemen that I've spoken to before you talked about how their experience really um, impacted and changed It was spiritually, it was spiritually transforming. 
which had probably it had the biggest quote conversion spiritual conversion in my life. Is that what made you come back and yes. uh, and go into in becoming a reverend? That's right. I went back to went back to Yale and um, then after that was the chaplain at Brown University for um, uh, for about uh, from 69 to 82 and also was involved as well in organizing uh, Vietnam veterans against the Vietnam War. Do you find that there's a lot of Vietnam veterans and because we're shining a spotlight and, and we want to say thank you do you do you find along your, the way and along your travels that there is not such a great feeling. I know there's a lot of pride for everybody who was a Vietnam um, War veteran, but there was there seems to be a different feeling um, when about the feelings about the war. Um, well, uh, yeah, I think that um, a lot of Vietnam veterans uh, still have some anger about uh, not only were we lied to uh, and feel betrayed by the. Um, uh, by the folks who were running this country at the time. Uh, so there's some angry, uh, anger about that. Well, I, there, it was a very de- divisive time. I know yes. that just yep. in general in the nation, yep. and, and I'm sure that that division, again, it, you, well, you, you speak to it just in among Vietnam veterans. I'm sure there are some that will share your sentiments and probably some that might not. But what are the most important things as we look to celebrate Vietnam veterans? Because we know that the welcome home was not That's necessarily important. a welcome That's home. Right. You know, one of, one of at least for Vietnam veterans, um, I think one of one of the worst casualties of war for us is the fear of being forgotten. So um, special attention out of, uh, for uh, for example, this coming water fire is. Not being forgotten. And also the other things which we stand for and have some courage about is um, not only uh, uh, saluting uh, veterans and their, but also saluting their families, uh, which is, uh, which is really essential. I, I, how much time do we have? Not a lot. We've got about maybe four minutes. Let me, let, let me share with you something that's very personal, okay, that I just received uh, two weeks ago. And it's from a letter, um, and it's from uh, um, it, it's it's from the the um, the the, um, uh, the son of a, of a, a person I knew in Vietnam who was killed in action. Um, and so it really relates to me, and it's very personal because for me the Vietnam War is remains very personal. You can take the boy out of the Bronx. But you can't take the Bronx out of the boy, and you can take Vietnam. You can take the boy out of Vietnam, but not Vietnam out of the boy. So let me let me just share with this. Um, your name came to me from letters uh, that my dad sent to my mother. My dad talked of you and other members of the team in those letters that he sent to my mom. He always referred to you as Sergeant Krauts because he could never pronounce your name. My mom cherishes the time you spent with her after she, after you learned that my father was killed in action. I would like to meet you so that you can tell me more about my dad. And Charlie writes further, I have been blessed with many more years of life than my father. And though he was taken from me when I was only 10 months old, I think of him every day. There are no memories. There are some photos, but no memories to personally cling to. Only what I have been told. 
On this Veterans Day, Dad, you and all veterans who gave so much for freedom, indeed the home of the free because of the brave, I love you, Dad. I hope you're proud of me, and I want your grandchildren also to know about you. You are always in my prayers. Reverend Dannenfelser, please get in touch with me so that I will have some more memories to cling to. That's really um, amazing and beautiful. And as everybody knows, we have, or if you don't know, um, there is a huge welcome home tent for our Vietnam veterans and for the public to come visit, which is going to be on the Washington Street Bridge. Um, you know, Richard, I wish I had more time to talk to you about this, and I would love to talk to you about it more after when after the Could event. I please give one shout-out to a new band of my brothers, okay, two World War II veterans who are going to be down by the, by the Riverside, Ray, Conti, and uh, Lou DiLorenzo. All right. See you guys down there. So, everybody, you've been listening to Waterfire Ignites Providence here on uh, and Rhode Island here on AM790, your station for talk and business. We are looking forward to this weekend. Go to the Waterfire website, Waterfire Salutes Veterans. Uh, there's even got its own website. And check out everything going on. Say thank you to our veterans, and thank you for listening. Enjoy the rest of your day, and uh, we'll see you down by the riverside.